Good afternoon, everybody Uneducated Economist here. So over the course of the last few years, and especially the last few months and weeks, there has been a lot of talk about the digital economy. And a lot of times when you hear people talk about the digital economy, they're talking about central bank digital currencies, and they start talking about like the taxing and tracking and tracing and control and all the stuff, all the scary things that could come from from having a digital economy and you know when you think about it it is kind of scary some of the control and some of the you know lack of privacy that could come from from being involved with a digital economy now something that I found interesting today is when I was reading this Federal Reserve speech that um, was really dealing with the talking about the Fair Housing Act has a pretty decent section inside of it that talks about the digital economy and really talks about some of the scary things that could actually come from it. Of course, the way they word it, it doesn't really sound scary, but when you break it down, it is kind of scary, some of the stuff that, they, that they're that they referring to, or at least it's definitely concerning. I don't know if it's necessarily scary, you know. But anyway, it goes like this. I'm going to read it here to you. The digital economy has produced alternative data sources, some of which can provide a window into the creditworthiness of an individual who does not have a standard credit history. A new and new artificial intelligence technique, techniques such as machine learning have the potential to leverage these data at scale and at low cost to expand credit to people who otherwise can't access it. While these technologies have enormous potential, they also carry uh, carry risk of violating fair lending laws and perpetuating the very disparities that they have the potential to address. Use of machine learning or other artificial intelligence may perpetuate or even amplify bias or inaccuracies inherent in the data used to train the system or make inaccurate predictions if that data set is incomplete or non-representative. There are also risks that the data point used could be correlated with a protected class and lack a sufficient nexus to creditworthiness. For instance, digital redlining and marketing, the use of criteria to exclude majority-minority communities, or minority applications is one risk, and it has already been the subject of several settlements, including one several years ago involving the NFHA and Facebook. Digital redlining may result if advertisers select their audience based on the characteristics that is correlated with protected characteristics. New technologies can also result in reverse redlining a steering in the ad advertisement of more expensive or otherwise inferior products to minority communities. These risks are amplified when a model is opaque and lacks a sufficient degree of explainability. The degree to which the bank can under understand how data variables and other features inform the credit decisions. While banks are still in the early days of adopting artificial intelligence and other machine learning technologies, we are working to ensure that our supervision keeps pace. Though our supervisory process, through our supervisory process, we evaluate whether firms have proper risk management and controls, including with respect to those new technologies. Now, isn't that interesting to hear this right in the middle of this speech that's talking about the Fair Housing Act that you get such a description of the digital economy. 
You know, the very first sentence within this paragraph that I was reading, the digital economy has, a, has produced alternative data sources. The digital economy has produced alternative data sources, some of which provide a window into the creditworthiness of an individual who does not have a standard credit history. Now, does that not sound like a social credit score? All right. Think about it. The digital economy has produced alternative data sources. This is data that is not what you would normally use to determine whether or not somebody is credit worthy. Right. I mean, you think about it like your credit worthiness is the loans that you have taken out, the debt payments that you have made, whether or not you paid off those debts, you know, whether or not you have a job that's capable of earning an income that can pay the debt. These are the credit worthiness that typical creditors would look for. But according to the Federal Reserve now, the digital economy has produced alternative data sources. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. And some of which can provide a window into the creditworthiness of an individual who does not have a standard credit history. So now what is it that is that they're going to use? I mean, that's a good question to ask because this alternative data source, we don't know what it is that the Federal Reserve or these banks or the artificial intelligence is looking at. Are they looking at our online transactions? Are they looking at maybe some of the things that we're posting, you know, some of the maybe opinions that we have? What is it that establishes a credit worthiness? You know, this is really where I think that a lot of the um, concern about the future of the digital economy comes in is when you hear things just like that, right? The digital economy has produced alternative data sources, some of which can provide a window into the credit worthiness of an individual who does not have a standard credit history, okay? New artificial intelligent techniques such as machine learning have the potential to leverage these data at scale and at a low cost to expand the credit to people who otherwise can't access it. So that does sound fairly pleasing, you know, to those who might be looking to, you know, get a loan or something, but they don't have a credit history and they're like, hey, we got this alternative data that we can use to decide whether or not you're credit worthy. So, I mean, it can be sold on the idea that it's a good thing for the people through, you know, this idea that even if you don't have credit, we can figure out whether or not you're credit worthy. So there is that. I mean, I guess there's that argument for it. I don't know if it's really a great one, but so while these technologies have enormous potential, they also carry the risk of violating fair lending laws and perpetuating the very disparities they have the potential to address. Now, for a long time, you know, I mean, now, obviously, like nowadays, we don't necessarily hear about redlining or, you know, not allowing loans to go to particular classes of people or something. There's laws, regulations and, you know, systems set up to try and provide loans to people who typically would not have access to loans. And it's not from the alternative data sources. It's through like, you know, government regulations and stuff like that. 
trying to to bring this um, to bring these loans to this particular class of people. But that's the act of a human taking part in the idea that says, "Hey, we need to try and extend credit to people who normally would not get it." Right. So they're taking a conscious effort to try and move into that particular direction. Right. Which means it says, hey, although these issues are come up, we're going to we're going to push past those things. We got all these regulations, whatever. When you get into a digital economy, what they're saying is that that might not take place and that the artificial intelligence might just draw a circle around a group of people and say, hey, we need to exclude them out of it because they are not credit worthy due to all the alternative data sources that we have come up with. And that's what he is saying within here that could be one of the problems, right? Let me see if I can read it again here to you. While these technologies have an enormous potential, they also carry risk of violating fair lending laws and perpetuating the very disparities that they have the potential to address, right? Use of machine learning or other artificial intelligence may have perpetuated may perpetuate or even amplify bias or inaccuracies in inherent data used to train the system or make inaccurate predictions if the data set is incomplete or non-representative. Again, if you don't have, what I'm assuming by that is that if the information that goes into the machine isn't quite complete, they only get part of the information, say the bad information or whatever, then they may again just like, oh, we can't, you know, extend credit out to these particular people. Or if it's non-representative, right? Whereas it's like somebody coming up and saying, no, you need to like, you know, take these considerations in mind before you exclude these people out of being able to have access to a loan. All right. Uh, there are also risks that the data points used could be correlated with protected classes and lack a sufficient nexus of creditworthiness. Right. So again, it's misunderstanding what the data is and then either providing loans to or not to particular groups based on this information. Uh, for instance, digi digital redlining and marketing, the use of criteria to exclude majority minority communities or minority applications is one risk and it has already been the subject of several settlements. Now, this is something that I don't know if a lot of people are, are understanding. When I say redlining, there was a time that there would be like realtors or mortgage lenders or whatever, like within the real estate game would draw circles around particular neighborhoods. And if you were African American or, you know, you weren't allowed to buy outside of that area or you, you know, or particular neighborhoods you weren't allowed to buy into. Right. And so they had this redlining taking place, which is completely illegal. Right. You can't be doing that. And that's what you know they're saying is like trying to address that is that this artificial intelligence might just go out there and start redlining just because of, you know, the data that goes into it, not realizing or like the people who have set this system up, not realizing that was going to be the consequences of using artificial intelligence to try and, and provide loans out there to people, or at least go through the, the creditworthiness application kind of style of things. Um, but I think you kind of get where I'm going with that. Um, Digital redlining may result in advertisers selecting their audience based on characteristics that is correlated with protected characteristics, right? So it's just like you can't be using this kind of like, I don't know how to say this, it's like, you know, advertising to these particular groups of people because, you know, it happens to be like stereotypical to it. I don't know if that's like the easiest way to explain it, but at least that's the way I'm kind of getting out of it. And then, you know, knowing 
that you might be able to push more expensive inferior products upon them with the artificial intelligence saying hey this is the type of group that buys these things and then they start pushing those things out to them when it may not be necessarily like I don't know how to put it like you know fair advertisement or something like that you know kind of leading them into things that may not be the best opportunity for them when you know there's other opportunities that they just don't even know about because the artificial intelligence won't even you know push it in that direction does that kind of make sense anyway that's kind of what I got out of it too uh, the new technologies can also result in reverse redlining or steering in the advertisement of more expensive and otherwise inferior products to the minority communities. Okay, we already talked about that. Uh, the risks are amplified when the model is opaque and lacks a sufficient degree of explainability, right? So if you can't go in there and say, hey man, this is clearly how this thing operates and you know we can explain it exactly how this is going to go down for each and every single person, like this is kind of you know the idea behind it is just like how what what does this do can you explain it is it that clear right and that's what he's saying the risks are amplified when a model is opaque right when it's not very clear and the sufficient degree and I'm sorry and a lack and lacks a sufficient degree of explainability so yeah if it's like not understandable and you can't explain it then yeah, there's an issue that's taking place the degree to which the banks can understand how data variables and other features inform the credit decisions so this is different like if you go to an individual who is looking at a maybe a potential debtor out there like they're gonna you know lend this person some money and they go through and they look at all the different you know situation that the individual is in their debts their you know income you know what it is that they plan on doing with the money whatever and they go through all this stuff right then it's an it's an individual human and says like okay whether or not we can make this happen but if you go to a machine learning right the degree to which the bank can understand how data variables and other features inform the credit decision might be lacking and unexplainable right that they can't you know that if you can't do that then it's maybe not be the system in which that would be a beneficial one right because it's going to end up excluding or redlining and doing all this other stuff all right uh, why banks while banks are still in the early days of adopting artificial intelligence and other machine learning technologies we are working to ensure that our supervi supervision keeps pace through, though, through our supervision process, we evaluate whether firms have proper risk management and controls, including with respect to those new technologies. So at the end of it, they're promising, hey, we're going we're gonna to keep an eye on this to make sure that all these safeguards are in place and that none of these issues that you're bringing up or that the public have brought up or that he has brought up inside of the speech won't be a problem because they're already addressing them ahead of time. We'll see. Uneducated economists, you guys let me know.